Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is Alicia and Whitney on Coming Coming Up Higher, where we're cultivating atmospheres for God to move in everyday life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Coming Up Higher. We are Alicia and Whitney, and we are super pumped for the guests that we have on tonight. (laughs) Uh, We know them from from way on back in Rockford, Illinois. Mm. He's been a family friend of ours for, for years and years before we were ever born. Yeah, friend of our fathers, and, and we got to be introduced to him through that. And Yeah, and he's just sown so much into our lives and our ministry, and we were like, we cannot not have him mm-hmm. on our podcast. Yeah. And so the man we're talking about is Pastor Andrew Hall, and he is the lead pastor of the Refuge Church in Loves Park, Illinois. He's married to the incredible Holly Hall, and they have four beautiful children together. And uh, Pastor Andrew's just gifted uh, in so many areas, but he's especially powerful in the prophetic. Mm-hmm. And he is also, uh, he's a father to four, but he's a spiritual father to many more, yes. including us. Mm-hmm. And we actually have someone else that'll be joining the podcast today, George, that uh, he's been mentoring as well. So we just want to <laughs> Go ahead and welcome Pastor Andrew to the show. Yes. Thanks for being on. Hey guys, it's great to be here. Uh, I've heard a lot about this podcast. I've heard that you two are getting quite popular in the world of podcasting. <laughs> and uh, so I'm very, very excited to be here and uh, to be a part of this. And uh, I just want everybody to know that I think you two are absolutely awesome. And uh, you are a, both of you are a gift from God and God is using you to fulfill his purpose in your generation. So uh, it's exciting to be a part of something that God's doing in your all's lives and and using to to touch other people. So thanks for having me here tonight. Thank you. You just brought this podcast up a notch by being on it. So this is, this is exciting. And so, um, but yeah, we want to talk about a couple things, but um, why don't you just kind of give a brief testimony of, um, you know, how, you became in relationship with Jesus Christ and got into the ministry. Okay, great. Well, to, to give my testimony really is to, to tell the story of my family, to be quite honest, uh, because we have uh, an anointing of ministry in our family line. Uh, my great-great-grandfather uh, was a farmer in the hills of Missouri, not southern Missouri, where y'all are, but uh, more the northern part of Missouri, and uh, he was out working in the field right in the middle of the field and gave his life to the Lord. So uh, on a Sunday morning, he'd have uh, two or three different churches he spoke at. He'd ride by horse and uh, one church, you know, about eight in the morning and the next about 11 in the morning and the other about uh, two in the afternoon. And he'd ride that circuit Sunday mornings and preach. And uh, he's the one that uh, let God into our family line. And uh, his last name was Schambach, by the way. He was a German fellow. And uh, they believe that uh, we're a relation to R.W. Schambach, who is a highly anointed evangelist, prophet, and uh, powerful uh, seasoned man of God, who's, I believe, still ministering. And uh, so after uh, great-grandfather Schambach gave his life to the Lord, in the next three generations, there's 10 pastors. Wow. So he opened up the door for a godly line. And once God got into our family line, God just uh, set our family line on fire for him. So uh, my dad's a pastor. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I like to say that I'm a pastor's kid who came out loving Jesus anyway. 
because, you know, being a pastor's kid is not particularly an easy thing. You hear things, you know things, you overhear conversations you shouldn't, and you just know a whole lot about the inner workings of the church. It's not always a healthy thing, but uh, I, I basically grew up in the ministry. My dad uh, went to the ministry when I was three years old. Um, my mom was carrying me in uh, 1969, and she was driving down the road pregnant and got morning sickness and pulled over to the side of the road, country road, and, and did what she needed to do, and then looked up, and she was in front of a church that had a lit revival sign and uh, said revival tonight and so she went home and and talked to my dad and brought him to church and they'd both grown up in the methodist church but had never heard the gospel shared with them before so uh they were in their early 30s they went to the service that night and they both got gave their life to the lord they were both saved that night and uh they were in the service later that week and uh, at the end of the service the, the the evangelist that was there said, hey, if there's anyone here that feels led to uh, going to the ministry, um, you need to come up. And my dad looked at my mom and said, Sherry, he said, uh, it's like a, there's an iron on my chest. If I don't go up front, I'm going to burn up. And my mom, who's with the Lord now, who is really a funny lady, she looks at him and said, Jerry, I just wanted you to get saved so you'd take me, take me to church, not so you'd go into the ministry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and that was my mom in a nutshell. She just put it out there. But she said, you know, if you need to go, you need to go. And so he went out the pew one direction. He got down to the front of the line and looked over, and she had gone down too. And they surrendered to the ministry. So uh, my dad studied for the ministry here in town under Pastor Pitney of the Rockford Rescue Mission, um, which is still going strong in the Rockford area today and, and uh, taking care of folks with addiction and, and uh loving on hurting people in the Rockford area. And, and I dedicate uh, some time, training time actually to the mission uh, when I'm able to, because I just totally believe in what they, they're doing and uh, what they've invested in my family. So at three years of age, my, uh, my dad's full-time in the ministry. And so I grew up as a ministry kid and I saw just enough to not want to go into the ministry. <laughs> but I knew I had a calling on my life from about the age of five. And uh, at the age of five, I, I walked down the aisle at the Southern Baptist Church where uh, my dad was pastoring and gave my life to the Lord. They said I was wearing my bib overalls and carrying my, uh, my poo teddy bear and uh, went down the aisle and received the Lord. But, you know, like a lot of folks, once I got older, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. And as a teenager, I was a rebellious pastor's kid and uh, wanted really nothing to do with the Lord. And uh, then my mother passed away when I was 21, which caused me to become angry with God, to be quite honest. And uh, so in obedience to the Lord's call on my life, I went to secular college and earned a bachelor's degree in business admin and, and minor in accounting because I was going to be a yuppie and I was going to make a lot of money and I was going to kind of slide into the service, you know, uh, about the time the service started, give my offering, slide out just as the uh, altar call was given, so no conviction that the Holy Ghost could hit my heart, and uh, that was going to kind of be it, you know, but uh, the Lord has a way of making sure that we end up in the midst of the plan that he, uh, you know, declared for us before we were ever born. And so after I graduated from college, I was hired on by a company called Greyhound Bus Lines. Take the bus and leave the driving to us. 
And uh, I managed bus terminals in Rockford, Chicago, Chicago 95th, Gary, Indiana, uh, in some rough areas. And on a daily basis, I saw people running from something or running away from something. Uh, I saw people caught up in addiction. I saw fatherless kids. Uh, on a daily basis, I saw hurting people. And God began to soften my heart uh, working for Greyhound. And uh, I worked for Greyhound for seven years, about three and a half years uh, into working for Greyhound. I saw so much on a daily basis that it caused me to, to surrender my heart back to the Lord because God had been working on me and really doing some things in my life. And I, I truly gave my life to the Lord at that point. So I was mid-20s at the time. And uh, about that time, there were two amazing prophetic African-American ladies that would show up at the bus depot at least once a week. And I don't think they ever bought a ticket and took the bus. They just came and prophesied over me. Wow. And they started calling me Pastor Andrew. And uh, one day they showed up and gave me a book on deliverance. And I wanted nothing to do with it. And so I took it in front of them and literally opened up a drawer and dropped it in and shut the drawer. And one of them looked at me and said, Pastor Andrew, God said, you need to read that book and you need to read that book quickly. And so I uh, read the book on deliverance and God started setting me free yeah. from anger with the Lord over the death of my mother to um, rebellion and the things that I had gotten into um, as a teenager. And God had to help me unlearn some things that I'd picked up in the world. And God took me kind of through my own book of Romans, so to speak, and really started moving in my life. And not long after that, I surrendered to the ministry and uh, studied under my dad and supply preached. And then eventually God opened up the door for me to uh, pastor my first church. Um, and I've always been what they call in the Southern Baptist realm, bivocational. I've always worked full time and then pastored outside of work. Uh, and the Lord has blessed both. Um, I'm senior manager of human resources at a manufacturing company in the Rockford area. Uh, but then outside of work, I have the privilege of pastoring, servant pastoring the, the Refuge Church. And I've just got a passion inside of secular work and in the ministry to see people saved and healed and delivered and raised up into what God has for them. Um, I was pastoring in Southern Baptist churches initially and then had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed everything. And the Southern Baptists didn't know what to do with me anymore at that point, was speaking in tongues, taking people through deliverance, prophesying, all this was happening. And uh, the Southern Baptist church kind of decided that Dodge wasn't big enough for the both of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, so God... Uh, at that point, kind of closed the door for me in the Southern Baptist Church. And uh, my wife and I at the time uh, started a church in our home. And God, uh, God had talked to me for a number of years while pastoring in the Southern Baptist Church. He'd say to me, Andrew, there's this place. He'd say, there's this place where people can come and they can worship me freely without having to worry about being judged. He'd say, there's this place where the, where the prophetic is released without the fear of man. He'd say, there's this place where the word is taught and it's deep and it's full of rhema. He, he'd talk about this place every once in a while. And so when the door closed for me in the Southern Baptist Church, I'm no sooner walking out the door of this church I'd been pastoring and 
kind of shown the door and uh, I, I'm walking down the steps to go to my car and I hear the Lord say, Andrew, there's a place. And it was just a frustrating moment, you know, if I can be that honest. And I just kind of said, okay, God, where is this place? Now is the perfect time. You know, I'm not pastoring right now. I can go to this place. You know, where is that place? And, and he said, Andrew, that place is inside of you. He said, I put that place in you before you were ever born. And he said, now I want to bring it out. Wow. And it was a powerful moment in the Lord. And it was one of those moments where you knew something powerful happened, but you didn't quite understand what happened. Right. right. You know, somebody once said there's three types of people in the world. You know, one, one type makes things happen. The other type watches things happen. And then the third type says, what happens? You know, <laughs> it was kind of those moments where I'm like, <laughs> what happened? You know, I know something incredible happened, but what happened? And it, it was a time of, of impregnation and birthing at the same time. Mm. You know, um, it, was, it was just incredible. And so my wife at the time and I started the Refuge Church in our home. And we were in the church, uh, in, in our home, having a home church for about a year. And then we uh, outgrew our home. And God opened up the door for us to get into a storefront. Uh, in Loves Park. A couple years later, we kind of outgrew the storefront, and then God opened up the door for us to be in the warehouse building uh, right across the street from the storefront, and that's where we've been for the last 12 years or so. Um, and so uh, it's been an incredible journey in the Lord. Um, in the warehouse was where we met Whitney. Yes. Your dad brought you for a service, and uh, I remember, I think, the sixth year old girl at the time I think yeah. of was how old you were this dark haired dark eyed 16 year old girl who <laughs> reminds me of her dad is uh, in service with her dad one one day and when the service ended I looked up and y'all were gone and the Holy Spirit said get out in the parking lot and prophesy over her before she leaves so I said to everybody I gotta go and ran out the door and caught you in the parking lot before you got in the vehicle and uh, God just started speaking some incredible prophetic things mm -hmm. that I think both of y'all are beginning to see now. You know, Whitney, it was a word for you, but it was a word for you and Alicia. Yeah. Um, it really, really was. And uh, y'all are seeing the fruition of some of those words now. But that was how we met. We met through this church, which is really, really cool. And uh, that's when, when, when our journey began. So uh, yeah. that, that's a moment that I will, uh, will never forget. That's a highlight in, in ministry for me, to wow. say the least. Wow. That's a, hi a highlight for me, too, I promise you. Yes. <laughs> um, because I know at that time in my life, I had never really experienced just the, the measure of, of God, really, that you've tapped into and that you, um, you just display, and it just mm -hmm. comes naturally through you. And I know you give God all the glory for that, but um, I, yeah, that was my first encounter with really like the prophetic mm -hmm. and it was just like, how does this guy know these things? <laughs> you know? And I just remember being in tears and then just leaving there, like knowing I had like met with God through you. And that's, what's cool about our relationship with mm -hmm. pastor Andrew is just like, they're literally our X marks the spot moments mm -hmm. when, when we get around him and when God allows us to minister with him. And, um, we love the refuge church and just the remnant that that's there. Yeah. 
um, they're all in. Right. And I, I love it. Well, that's what, when you were talking about, there's a place, there's a place where you can worship freely and, you know, time, time isn't an issue and, and you can speak prophetically and, and, and you don't have to have that fear of man. Like I, that is the refuge yes. church. We've been there. We've ministered for hours of just worship and, and prophetic worship going <laughs> forth. And, and there, God moves mightily in that place because there's a people going there and there's leadership with, with you and, and Holly there and, and that just allow his presence to reign. God, we don't have an agenda. We are here to, to serve you and whatever you want to pour out, God, we're here to receive. And, and, and so that there is a place y'all and it's, it is, yeah, it is the refuge church and, and uh, we're just so honored to know you and have ministered there and, and just seen the work God is doing there. Yes. Well, if we, if we don't have the presence of the Lord, we might as well just put Moose Club or something like that on the front of the building <laughs> because it's the presence of the Lord. We were created for the presence of God. And whenever I'm in the presence of the Lord, I, I feel like I'm at home. You know, I'm at home because we we're created for his presence. And if we don't have his presence, we've got to learn in the church today. If we're in a service and we don't have the presence of God, we have to stop. And we have to get on our faces before the Lord and find out why we don't have the presence of God there. You know, it's, it's what it's what God is wanting to begin to do in the church. There's a shifting that's going on. And you two are part of that shifting. The church as we've known it, God is wanting to radically change. And the challenge is we only know what we know, right? But what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do is to teach us what he wants the end times church to look like. And the end times church is not bound by religion. Uh, the end times church is not seeker sensitive. Uh, the end times church, the way the Holy Spirit is describing it, is spirit sensitive. And where we give the Holy Spirit freedom, and if the Holy Spirit says, you know, I want to break out of the order that's planned for this service, and I want to do something different, where we say, you know what, this is your house, God. You know, whatever you want to do, this is your house. We we throw our agenda out the window. We throw the schedule out the window and we want this to be an encounter service, you know, and, and, and what God has allowed us to do here at the refuge is to create a, a culture of encounter mm. so that when we get together, people expect an encounter with God. God's as tired of doing church as most of us are, Amen. you know, we're tired of three songs and an offering and two songs and, in a word, and you know you're going to be out in time for kickoff, you know, and or at least to get a, a an early spot in the buffet line. And you know, you may be challenged a little bit, but you're probably going to be told how wonderful you are in the message. And we're going to leave and be unchanged. And God is so tired of that. He is birthing something in the hearts of people right now, and the in the hearts of His remnant, He is birthing something. And so if there's anybody listening to this podcast that, that, you know, you've been sitting in church and you've been feeling, this isn't satisfying me. Something within me says there's more. I'm, I'm hungering. I'm thirsting for more. If you're feeling that, there's nothing wrong with you. And, and, and you're not being, uh, you know, pulled on by the enemy trying to bring a spirit of dissatisfaction or something. God is birthing something in you. 
Yeah. You, and he's making you part of this, this remnant church that he is beginning to draw out and he's beginning to move in. And that remnant church expects every time that we get together for something to happen, mm. for that service to be an encounter with God. Amen. And uh, when you begin to get that mindset, you're not willing to settle any longer for church as we've known it. Yes. And you begin to have a heart that believes, as David said, unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. Mm, that's right. You know, and you begin to be ruined by the Holy Spirit. You know, like the old prophet that said, Lord, you tricked me. You knew that once I tasted of you, nothing else would ever satisfy me again. You, you tricked me, God. Well, hallelujah. Let's be ruined by God in this generation. Because I believe we're the final generation. I believe we're the generation that's going to usher in the return of the Lord. And we're not a generation that's bound by age. We're a generation that's determined by heart. And so this, this remnant church, end times church message is for folks with snow on the mountain, you know, all the way up to, you know, the youngest folks that would listen to this podcast and everybody in between. God is beginning to call out his remnant church. And that remnant church, if you, if you look in the book of Acts, I think we see some pictures of what that remnant church is going to look like, but even much more powerful because we're so much closer now to the Lord's return. And God is looking for people right now that, that he can use and transform to, to be a people without limitation who he can use to build a church without walls. That's what God is wanting to do in the midst of this generation. And he's, he's shifting the paradigms. He's breaking down the walls. And he's wanting to show us something that we've never seen before. He mm -hmm. says in Habakkuk 1, he says, I'm about to do something in your generation that you've never seen me do before. And if I told you, you wouldn't even believe me. Mm -hmm. He's about to do that in our generation and is looking for those folks that want it, that are hungry, that are willing to hunger and thirst. And we don't like to hunger and thirst in America. We don't like to hunger and thirst in our, our, our church culture. We like to be satisfied. And God says, I don't want you to be satisfied any longer. I want you to hunger and thirst. Because he said, I promised if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, you'll be filled. And he said, I'm the only one that will satisfy you. And I want to ruin you to the point where you know I'm the only one that can satisfy you. Yeah. So you can never turn back because you know there's nothing to turn back to. Right. You know, and that's what God's doing in this generation. And that's what God's doing in you too. And, and the Lord is saying, as you guys continue to go where God opens up the door and you minister and praise and worship, God is releasing through you a hunger and a thirst. Mm -hmm. And everywhere where God sends you, God is going to bring a holy ruage. I mean, everywhere God brings you guys, God is going to shift the atmosphere and create a hunger. And those places aren't going to be the same mm -hmm. um, after God um, releases what he wants to release through you two. And to shift real quick, if it's okay, I, I just love it now when, when y'all come here to the refuge or I'm where you all are at, because I've noticed we enter in really quick. Yes. Now, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like, war about the atmosphere? What are you talking about? Let's just go right in. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was fun. Yeah. That's, and that's what I love is when we come into contact with, you know, people like you that where you, you steward your uh, your relationship with God daily and you're always in the dwelling place. Mm -hmm. You know, you pray without ceasing. Like when you, when you're around people like that, then like mm -hmm. God can instantaneously. Yeah. Move. Yeah. 
And I, I, I love those moments because mm-hmm. we don't have to do the, we don't have to do a show. We don't have to warm up. It's just like, it's there. <laughs> right. And you know, the Lord calls us to go right. into different environments and different atmospheres. And, and, and like you said, just be a representation of this is, this is what it is to hunger. This is what it is to mm. thirst. These are the places you can Amen. go in his presence. Yeah. And so there's, there's always that call that we that all believers, you know, have on their lives, but we have felt to be a, to bridge a gap and to say, come on, let's, let's see where we can go. Let's see where worship can take us yeah. because his presence is infinite. And, but it, it is so nice. It's like, just, um, it's like just jumping into a, a, a warm, you know, warm pool, pool like- <laughs> when we go to the refuge. Cause it's just like, let's just go. Let's, we're just diving in. We don't have to, you know, dip our toe Amen. in and get everybody to follow in. But it, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, there are so many, if people have followed this podcast, there's so many times where I'm like, yes. And a spiritual father of ours, Pastor Andrew yeah. said this <laughs> and he said that, but because <laughs> there's been so many conversations, I kid you not, where like Pastor Andrew's just, we're like having Mexican food. And he's just eating like chips and salsa and then like drops this bomb on us. That, I know. To him, it's just like, you know, whatever, normal, like he's used to it. And we're just like, hold on yeah. a second. Like, what did you just say? Like, please explain further. Yeah. Um, and so I want you to just talk about one of the times you had come to Branson, you had mentioned to us about um, the tabernacles and uh, about David oh. and the one of Moses and how they're operating at the same time and just what that meant uh, prophetically with like our church today. And so I just want you to dive in and talk to the listeners about that. Oh man. Well, we need to give a disclaimer at this point that uh, neither myself nor you ladies can be held responsible for anything that's about to happen due to this conversation (laughs) and uh, the ruin that God is going to bring through this conversation, you know, but, uh, you know, it's funny you talk about chips and salsa and dropping a bomb. You know, I think Jesus in his ministry was just natural in what he did. Yeah. And, and, and I think we, we have to learn how to carry Jesus in a manner that's not religious and doesn't draw attention to ourselves so that anywhere, anytime, he can just say anything he wants to and mm-hmm. speak prophetically over chips and salsa, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's the, the heart of the Lord. And I think if people would see Jesus that way, they'd realize how awesome he is, mm-hmm. you know, and how non-religious he really is, yeah. you know. And, and so we're, we're eating salsa at that Mexican place. I love Mexican places, by the way. Mm-hmm. And... uh we were having some good food and, and, you know, the Lord started talking about um, the tabernacles. And it's interesting as we, we look at the word, um, God gave Moses a template. He showed Moses the heavenly tabernacle. And then he said to Moses, he said, I want you to build it exactly the way that I, and if you'll build it exactly the way that I showed you, then my glory, my glory is going to come, you know, and, and they'd seen the glory in the, the pillar and in the fire, you know, they'd seen the glory. He'd seen the glory on the mountain, but God wanted a place where they could tabernacle. And so God shows him this design and then God brings in the artisans and the people to help them and the people give out of their own personal finances, everything to build this tabernacle. And they build it just the way God said, 
And we know the word says, and, and the glory of the Lord, because they're giving this tabernacle to the Lord. And uh, not just the glory, but the Shekinah glory, you know, comes. Mm. And, and, and in Hebrew, the word glory is kavod. It literally means the weight of God, W-E-I-G-H-T, the heavy glory of God. And so the Shekinah glory comes as they finish the the you know the the tabernacle and they give it to the Lord and we know that's a mobile tabernacle it went all through the wilderness with them it, it went into the promised land with them um, but then we kind of lose track of it um, but if we we study the word and, and get in the Samuel um, the word tells us that the tabernacle in David's day was still in use Moses tabernacle and it was pitched about five miles northwest of Jerusalem, so just outside Jerusalem in an area called Gibeon, and Gibeon was uh, one of the cities of refuge that they established when they went to the promised land. It was a Levite city was what it was, and so they put the tabernacle there, Moses' tabernacle, and for years and years and years at Moses' tabernacle, they're doing all the sacrificing and everything that they'd always done up to, uh, or since the days of Moses. There's a picture there. It's a picture as Moses builds the tabernacle and it's still in use in David's day. That's a picture of what the church had been. It's a, it's a picture of what the church had been, so to speak. So along comes David, and David is a type. Uh, we know that David was an actual person, that he was the king of Israel. We know this about him, but he was also a type. He was a picture of the fact that Jesus was going to come as prophet, priest, and king and what because david functioned in those three roles and what i like about david is he was not satisfied with what the church of his day had he wasn't satisfied so what he did was he pressed into the new covenant he pressed into god and realized that when yeshua when messiah came intimacy was going to be available when yeshua came not just law, but intimacy. And I believe David got a taste of that and pressed in and encountered the intimacy of the new covenant in the old covenant. Mm -hmm. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about those who taste of the power of the age to come, which tells me we can ask into what's coming when we have such a hunger and thirst for God if that makes sense. Yeah. So I believe David pressed into the new covenant and encountered intimacy with God. Read the Psalms. Right. They are so intimate, so intimate. And he encountered Yeshua in the old covenant. That's who David was. So David decides one day, we need to bring the ark to Jerusalem. It's interesting when David becomes king over the United Kingdom, um, because he'd reigned prior over Judah for seven years, but then all Israel brings him into his prophetic destiny, and he becomes uh, the king of the United Kingdom of Israel. First thing he does is he goes and conquers Jerusalem. First thing he does, he did that. He knew God loved Jerusalem and wanted Jerusalem. He understood the Mount Sinai, where, uh, where Abraham brought Isaac, was the mountain where Jerusalem was. I mean, he understood this. And so he took Jerusalem and he dedicated it to the Lord, but something was missing. The old tabernacle of Moses is five miles away on the hill, but the Ark of the Covenant isn't there. 
Hmm. The Ark of the Covenant still hadn't been really returned back to where it should have been since Israel lost it in the battle against the Philistines. And then the Philistines sent it back to Israel because their gods are fallen over prostate before, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant and they're getting boils and tumors and all these things are happening. They're like, get the Ark out of here. The last Philistine city they were going to send it to are like, whoa, no, don't bring the Ark here, you know. And so they send the Ark back on a cart and it, the, the Ark ends up in this guy's house for a number of years. The Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine the Ark of the Covenant being in your house? Mm. You're having your quiet times where the Ark of the Covenant is. Mm. So David says, I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So they go and they get the Ark. The first time David doesn't really listen to how they should carry the Ark. And uh, Uzziah dies. But the second time he listens and he goes and gets it and he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're celebrating and, and they're prophesying and singing and all kinds of things are going on. And they expect David to take the left hand turn in front of Jerusalem and head to Gibeon because we're going to put the Ark in the tabernacle because that's where it goes, right? And David's like, no. We're not going to put the ark where it's always been. My God's doing a new thing. Right. Hallelujah. So David takes the ark into Jerusalem and up on the hill, and he pitches a simple tent over it. Now, this was the ark that you couldn't get near before unless you were a high priest. Mm -hmm. I mean, or in the line of Levi. You could not get near it. David pitches a simple tent around it. And for 40 years, out of his own treasury, he hires prophetic people, singers, worshipers, priests, to 24-7 outside of that simple tent where there was just a layer of tent that separated you from the Ark of the Covenant. He hires these folks for 40 years to pray, prophesy, worship, sing before the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine how thick the presence of God was at David's tent? Mm. David's tent was a picture of the new thing that God wanted to do. But you know what's sad? In the 40 years where the Ark of the Covenant was there at David's tent, a lot of the folks were still going to Moses' tabernacle to wow. do the same religious thing that they'd been doing since the days of Moses. But the ark wasn't there any longer. The ark moved. And the Lord is saying to our generation, the ark has moved. Mm -hmm. God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. He says, the revelation awaits an appointed time, and it is now. Hallelujah. It, it's amazing that David, through this intimate relationship with Jesus, had a picture that intimacy with Jesus had no walls of separation. It was like God ministering and spending time with Adam and Eve in the garden. So he said, I'm going to take a simple little tent and I'm going to pitch it over that ark and anybody can go and get in the presence of God 24-7, anytime they want to, even weekends and holidays. Hallelujah. They can get in the presence of the Lord, you know? And so both tabernacles were functioning at the same time. Hmm. But the one the ones that were hungry and thirsty and they really wanted the presence of God and they really wanted intimacy. 
they really wanted to press in like David did, they went to David's tent. They went to his tent. And the amazing thing is that tent stood until Moses, or I'm sorry, until Solomon built his temple. And once Solomon built his temple, David's tent went down and the ark went back into a, a temple worship, unfortunately. And a lot of the things that David had pushed for began to change, unfortunately. God's about to do a work in our generation, and you guys are a part of that. The Lord says in Amos 9.11, he says, I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. Mm. And he's talking about David's heart for that place where the manifest presence of God is, where there's no walls of religion, there's no walls of separation, where we can come running in lovesick into the presence of God and encounter God. I'm getting excited here. Yeah, I apologize. I know. Encounter God unhindered any time. You know, what Adam and Eve lost, the Lord Jesus is offering us again, saying it is yours, come and take it. He mm -hmm. says, this is, the Lord is saying, we are in the season of the wise virgins. He says, it's time to trim your wick and fill your lamp and cultivate the oil of intimacy with me. He says, I want to rebuild the fallen tent of David mm -hmm. in this generation. So what's happening in our generation right now? There's a great divide. There's what's happening at Moses' tabernacle, and God is now beginning to release David's tent once again. You guys represent David's tent. I really, really believe that. We're about to see a shifting in music, the Lord is saying. No longer is the world going to lead the church musically. God is about to release a new sound at the tent of David that the world is going to hear it and the church is going to begin to lead the world in music. That's good. I mean, we're talking the music of heaven here. People are going to hear it and they're going to know it came from the heavenly realm. And everywhere where it's released, it's going to bring a shifting. It's mm. going to bring a shifting. It has to. It's, it's alive. It's going to bring a shifting wherever it's released. And, and I think when that happens, we're going to see the church lead the world not only in music, but in the arts, in finance, in a lot of other areas. It's going to be a real powerful shifting. It's going to be the fulfillment of Amos 9-11, and I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. The Lord looked at that, that temple that Solomon built, and he said, the day's coming where not one stone is going to be left upon another. Don't marvel at this, but what does he say about the tent of David? I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. That tells us that that temple system was never the Lord's heart. In that temple system, if you had a defect, you couldn't even go into the temple. The woman with the issue of blood couldn't go into the temple. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus healed people outside the temple. They couldn't get in because they, they, they had a defect of some type. And the Lord said, wait a minute, hold on here. The Lord says, this isn't the way that I envision this thing. He said, the day's coming where not a stone is going to be left upon another. But he said, David's tent, that is my heart. And that's what I'm going to rebuild. And you guys are a part of that. Wow. That is so powerful. That yeah. is so powerful. <laughs> and he was telling us this over chips and salsa, y'all. Like... <laughs> That's a, one of those rare times where me and Whitney stopped eating. Yeah. <laughs> we still had food on but the But I tell you, 
God is birthing that now in those who are willing. There's an irresistible invitation right now to get into the secret place and to encounter the presence of God in deeper ways than we ever have before. We've got to realize that we're coming into things that the prophets long to look into, that David longed to see happen, that the apostles in the first and second you know, generation long to look into. The greatest days of the church are yet to come, but we've got to get a revelation that we don't go to church, we are the church. So wherever we are, Jesus can manifest any way that he wants to through us if we're willing vessels. Um, Smith Wigglesworth once said, if I go into a room and God's not moving, I, I move him. Wow. And when I first heard that, I thought, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. That almost seems arrogant. But then I studied his life more and I realized he understood that through intimacy with God, he had the ability when he walked into a room, if that room was filled with religious spirits, if that room was filled with unbelief, if that room was not wanting, you know, the Lord Jesus to operate in it. He knew he could walk into that room in the manifest presence of God and shift the atmosphere and bring God into that place. Whether folks wanted God or not, he knew he could walk into a room and move God and things would begin to happen. I'm telling you, God is going to birth greater than Azusa Street in our generation. We're about to see it. At the Azusa Street Revival, 106 uh, in 1906, so about 114 years ago, uh, Pastor Seymour prophesied 100 years from now, God said, I'm going to bring a greater revival. Mm-hmm. And in that revival, I mean, they, that's the birthing of the Pentecostal movement in America. I mean, Pastor Seymour one night said that uh, a young African-American girl got saved. The Holy Spirit baptized her. She hit the floor. She came back up again. And he said, she sang a song with no words. And he said, I know I will never hear anything like it, this side of heaven. Mm. God did things like that at that revival. Street people worship next to doctors who worship next to lawyers, who worship next to former slaves, who who worship next to street cleaners, who worship next to rich. I mean, it broke down every wall there was. And at the end of the Azusa Street Revival, Pastor Seymour prophesied 100 years from now, He said, God's going to bring a revival on America greater than Azusa Street. We are 14 years overdue as the church. Mm -hmm. And God is looking for a generation who will lay hold of that promise and stand on the bridge of faith and pull it into our generation and walk in the manifestation of it. You know, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. He says, since that time, the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. Mm. and forceful saints take it. God is releasing a passionate, intimate force within his people to lay hold of what he's promised and pull it in and tear down the strongholds of the enemy, hallelujah, and be the church that we're supposed to be in this age so that Israel is stirred to jealousy for Jesus, hallelujah, and we see a revival like never before, and then Jesus comes back. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to usher that in. Yes. And I don't excited. know about you, Pastor Andy, but I don't want to be worshiping in the old structure and the old mindset just because that's what I'm used to mm-hmm. when the presence has moved, when the presence was in, in 
David's tent and I'm still in the old customs of, of what Moses was doing in there. And it was just kind of like Elvis, the presence has left the building, but you're still there, you know? <laughs> and so I think that's a, that the message you're speaking is, it, it's so encouraging and it, it's, it's igniting and it's, and it's, it's so many things, but it's also a warning for us to be, for all of us, the church to be open and, and to not, to not miss what he wants to do in this hour because it doesn't look like it always has, or it doesn't look like what we thought it would. And, um, because like I said, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss a thing. And, um, and so it's exciting. These are exciting times we're living in. Yeah. And I think with never, never did I believe in my lifetime that I would see a time where the churches were shut down, the, the buildings were shut down and, you know, not allowed to to do corporate worship together. But then on the other hand, it's actually been a, it's been a time for the church to realize that the church isn't a building, Mm -hmm. that we are the church. And that Mm -hmm. really what I loved the emphasis that you brought out about, uh, you know, the Solemn's tabernacle was amazing. It was beautiful. They, they, it was elaborate. They went all out, but that's not the temple that God's wanting to rebuild. He's wanting to rebuild Amen. David's tent, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, a tent yeah, when he had simple. this elaborate building. A simple tent. Yeah. Yes, a simple tent. And so really what, what this uh, shutdown has, has shown the church is that we don't need the buildings. Quit, you know, quit raising funds to build more buildings like, <laughs> and start hosting his presence nice. in your home. Yes. Start hosting, you know, meet with believers, use the internet, Zoom, like connect that way, but make sure you're having personal intimacy with God because that's what he's desiring. And that's what his church is going to look like for this, this uh, revival that Amen. we believe is coming. Yes. Amen. You know, we can't forget that Jesus, you know, does his first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And, uh, you know, Mary says to him, they have no more wine. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, that Jesus says something kind of uncharacteristic to her, seemingly. He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? Well, everything. Because in the Old Testament culture, it was the bridegroom's responsibility to make sure they had enough wine for the entire celebration. So the earthly bridegroom blew it, but Jesus is the heavenly bridegroom. Yes. And she says something to the servants. Right after he says, woman, what does this have to do with me that's key for us right now in this generation as we're pursuing what God wants the church to be? She simply says, do whatever he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Do whatever he tells you to do. And so they, they fill the pots and we know they take the cup to the chief guest. And the chief guest is, you know, normally the bridegroom brings out the really good wine first and then the lower quality wine when everybody's kind of had their fill. He said, but you save the best wine for last. Yes. That is prophetic for the end times church. Come on. The bridegroom is saving the best wine for last. Mm. Some of the greatest rhema and revelation from the word has been saved for this generation. Some of the most powerful prophetic words. And right now, by the way, God is shortening the time between the time a prophetic word is delivered and the time it manifests. Mm. He is shortening the time because the time is getting short. You wait, ladies. The time is coming where you're going to be singing prophetically, and the word barely comes out of your lips, and it'll start manifesting in the room. 
God is shortening time. He's speeding things up and he's looking for people who are willing to be sped up mm -hmm. right now is, is what he's looking for. Um, we, we've, we've got to understand this. So the best that God has for his church, he is saved for last for this generation. So we can't settle any longer for the old mile markers. He says, throw the old mile markers away. Well, what's that? Our past experiences with God, yeah. our past encounters with God that make us think, well, God does it this way. He says, throw those old mile markers out. He says, I want to do a new thing so amazing that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. Just do whatever I say, and I'm going to bring you into something that your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, your mind has not imagined. It's going to be so amazing. He's saving the best wine for last, and he purposely birthed us at this point in history so we could be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And we've right. got to get that revelation that the book that he wrote about you before you were ever born in that book, he chose that you would be birthed right now for such a time as this. Then to have that, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord Jesus, heart and attitude. And if we'll do that, God is going to use us to do things that are going to, it's going to change eternity. I mean, it's just incredible. I'm so excited in the Lord, and I'm so excited to see God releasing those things through you too. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. You as well yes. in the refuge. Yes. <laughs> Man, this was good. This was a church service right now. I know. Here. I'm just kind of leaning back and just soaking it all in. It's it's amazing. I, I know this is one we're going to listen to again, and, and it's going to encourage many. And so um, why don't we just wrap this up, Pastor Andy, with you praying for our listeners. I know there's people out there um, listening to this that uh, that are just saying, that's me. Whatever he's talking about, that's been my heart cry. I haven't yeah. been satisfied with church as usual. I haven't been satisfied with life as usual. I know there's more. Uh, give me the grace, God, to 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 dive in. Um, and just whatever the Lord lays on your heart, Pastor Eddie, just let it rip. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, for, for those that are listening, um, I believe some that are listening and that will listen to this podcast are going to feel a burning within them. Um, whether it's like a hot iron on the chest or just a, a yearning within them, um, that God is going to manifest that because, you, you know, spirit is a spirit. And when something is spoken, it resonates. Whitney, like that room full of guitars where you play that one note and it resonates throughout the entire room. God meant for this word to resonate in the hearts of people. And if you felt that resonating, you've got to act upon it. The time is too short for us to just go, yeah, man, that, that, that message touched me. I was blessed by that. Okay, now I'm going to go on and do my thing. We can't do that any longer. We can't look in a mirror and turn around and forget what we look like. You know, we, we can't do that any longer in this age. The, the time is too short. So if, if that word tonight resonated in you, it's time to get on your face before the Lord in your secret place, wherever that is, and just say, God, I want this. Whatever it is that you're talking about here, I feel it. I want it, God. God, do whatever you want to do here. I'm willing, God. And, and the Lord may say, you know, then, then I want you to go where I'm doing this. So, so God's going to call some out of the tabernacle of Moses over to the tent of David. You know, if we're not careful, we can stay faithful to a grave. We, we, we've got to do what God's called us to do, go where God wants us to go. And um, God may call some out of places they've been for quite a while because God's gone to a shepherd there and said, I want to do this new thing here. 
But they said, no, we like it the way it's been at Moses Tabernacle. So God may call you in some tough decisions. And I'm not saying if you hear this word, God's telling you, go somewhere else to church. What I'm saying is let God begin to birth this in your heart first and see then where that takes you. See then where that takes you. And I don't want anyone to think that God is saying in this word that we're going to neglect the tabernacle of Moses. Well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is God's going to send us into the tabernacle of Moses to show them what's going on at the tent of David. It's mm, good. Because a smoldering wick he doesn't put out. We, we, we got to keep that in mind. God will even send some as missionaries into the tabernacle of Moses to release the atmosphere of the tent of David and stir people's hearts. So please don't think that I'm saying, you know, we're going, we're going to abandon what's there. God still loves folks that were at Moses Tabernacle. We were once there. Right. We were once there and thought this was church. So hallelujah. God wants us to show them what it's like. That's why God's going to open up the door for you guys to go to some places that when you find out what that church is, you're going to be like, what, what, what? We're, we're going, we're going where? Oh, you're going to release an impregnation in the atmosphere. You are going to shift things. You are going to tear down and to build up. You, I mean, the folks that God is birthing this in, wherever God sends them, these radical things are going to begin to happen. Wherever Jesus went in his earthly ministry, riot or revival broke out. I mean, we've got to understand that. And God is birthing in you and in so many of their listening, a revivalist anointing to release revival wherever we go. Hallelujah. So we've got to be in receiving that and getting a revelation of that in the Lord. Habakkuk 2, the revelation awaits an appointed time. The Lord says it is the, the appointed time. Take it and run with it. Hallelujah. So it's, it's time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, so Lord Jesus, I just pray for everybody who's listening to this podcast, everybody who's going to catch it, Lord, after the live broadcast. Lord, I ask right now, God, Lord, that you would just lay a hold of their hearts, God, and release within them a passion for what it is, God, that you're doing in this generation. Lord Jesus, right now in your name, I just call forth the wise virgins. Lord, I call forth the wise virgins. Lord, I thank you that, that you in, in Song of Songs said that, Lord, you knocked on the door, but the bride was asleep, but her heart was awake. And, and Lord, you thrust your hand through the knob dripping with myrrh. Lord, I thank you right now. You're pursuing your bride. You're calling her to a deeper place. You're wooing her off of her bed of slumber. God, you're bringing her to a place where she is going to be so impassioned for you that she's going to let go of her other lovers, Lord God, so that she can hold on to you with, with both hands, Lord. Unlike the, the, the woman with the issue of blood, God, you're raising up a generation who's going to grab the hold of the hold of the hem of your garment, but not let go, Lord God, because they realize when they lay hold of you, Jesus, everything else is just broken cisterns that will never satisfy. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for those that have been listening to this broadcast, they're thinking, I'm feeling this, this is resonating in me. God, I pray, God, get them on their face before you, Lord, and, and, and may they surrender to what it is that you're speaking in this word. And God, I pray that you'll touch them, that you'll touch them, God, by this word, that they'll throw away the old mile markers, God, and that they'll run to the tent of David. Lord, I thank you, the tent of David is in their secret place. The tent of David is in their car when they're listening to praise and worship. The tent of David, Lord God, is when they're out 
Lord, and, and they're, they're, they're taking a hike, God, and they're enjoying the creation, Lord God, that you put out there for us, God, and they're talking to you and practicing your presence. God, I thank you that they can tabernacle with you wherever they are, Lord Jesus, and take your tabernacle with them wherever they go, God. So, Lord, right now, I speak a breaking off of the spirit of religion that's over anyone listening to this podcast that's trying to chain them down to the things that we've always done. I just speak a breaking right now in the name of Jesus of that spirit of religion, and I speak shackles are breaking and fetters are breaking right now in the name of Jesus, and God is releasing you to go after the new thing that he has for you. Lord Jesus, right now in your name, I speak the release of healing over those that are listening that need healing in their bodies. Lord, I thank you that, 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 that healing is the children's bread. And Lord, I ask God that you would release healing over anyone listening to this podcast that needs healing. I speak healing of from cancer. I speak healing of sickness and disease. I speak healing oh, of, of issues with organs and in. Oh, with colons in the name of Jesus. I just speak healing right now in physical bodies. And Lord, I ask God, may there be a manifestation of the presence of God in the households and in cars and everyone listening to this podcast right now. God, release your Shekinah glory. Lord, give them a taste of what it is that you're wanting to do in the church. Lord, those that are listening to this podcast that are in ministry, God, I ask right now for an impregnation of revelation that will change a generation right now within them, God, that they're going to take to their church and then release, God. Lord, I declare everyone who hears this word the next time they're in their church building, Lord, I declare God that the revelation of what you release tonight is going to be released through them, God. And there's going to be a freedom in worship, a freedom in the word, a freedom in prayer, a freedom in everything that's going on within that building, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that anointing that Wigglesworth walked in, that anointing that Catherine Coleman walked in, Lord, that anointing that John G. Lake walked in, Lord, that anointing, God, of what we saw in the, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, God, release that anointing once again, but in greater fashion, Lord, upon this generation, that, that anointing, Lord God, that was on William H. Branham, God, release that prophetic anointing, but even more powerfully, God, right now, there's people listening to this broadcast that you called the ministry, but they're sitting in the church pew. God, you're saying to them, it's time. It's time to get up out of the church pew and walk in the ministry that I've called you to. But the Lord is reminding you also that the ministry begins with ministering to Jesus first. He says, true ministry is an outgrowth of true intimacy with me. So the Lord says, if you want to walk in that ministry, get into the secret place and cultivate the oil of intimacy with me. And I will feed you at my table. And then I will send you out with what you've received from my table. And, and you will release it to others. He says, open up the door and I will sup with you. He says, call upon me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. He says, now is the time. Now is the hour. Do not remain silent. The Lord says, do not be held captive by COVID. He says, do not be held captive by your fears. He says, I'm calling my church 
to come up out of COVID strong and mighty and powerful and passionate for me. He says, now is not the time to give up, pack up, or shut up. God says, now is the time for my church to arise in power and authority and be everything that I created my bride to be in this generation. He says, you are my ambassadors. He said, I foreknew you. I predestined you. I called you, the Lord says. Hallelujah. And I am filling you with my purpose and my glory, God says. So go forth, my bride, my fire bride. Go forth in this hour and be everything that I've created you to be. I will raise you up to be a people without limitation. And I'll use you to build a church without walls that's unlike this world has ever seen. The Lord says, now is the time. Now is the hour. I'm coming back soon. Do not delay. Have your wick trim lamp burning and filled with oil, for I'm coming sooner than what you realize. But in the time that remains, work while it is still day. Because the Lord says, the greatest manifestations of my glory are coming in this final hour. God says in this hour, I'm raising up the weak that will confound the strong. I'm raising up the simple that will confound the wise. God says, in this hour, I am doing something like you've never seen before because I saved the best wine for last. I saved the best wine for last. I saved the best wine for last. Lord, I come against the spirit of suicide that is that is raging against somebody listening to this podcast. In the name of Jesus, I command that generational suicide to come off you right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak. You are released in the Jesus. You will live and not die. And you'll declare the works of the Lord. And you're going to live out every page of the book that he wrote about you in eternity past. I just decree and declare you have something worth living for. What God is birthing in you is worth you waiting for. And when he births it, you're going to be amazed at what he put within you before you were ever born. He says, you're beautiful. He says, trust him. He says, wait upon him. He says, life is not added up to what you thought it would at this particular point. But God says, I'm going to give you beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and a garment of praise in the place of the spirit of suffering and depression and despair. God says, I am raising you up for this hour, and you're going to be one of my greatest dread champions in this hour. So says the Lord over your life right now. Hallelujah. Lord, I just plead your blood over everyone that's listening, and I declare that the enemy is not going to be able to steal this word. The birds of the air aren't going to be able to pluck it away. Lord, I thank you this word will not return void, but it will accomplish its purpose. And Lord, I thank you right now. You are birthing eternity in the hearts of men. Lord, I thank you right now, God. You're raising up your end times army. God, I thank you right now. You're raising up passionate worshipers, 12 to them, that they'll look upon you whom they pierce and recognize you and long for you as one longs for only son. Lord, I pray that you, the word made flesh, would tabernacle amongst us. And Lord God, I just ask that this message will bring change to the ears of everyone who hears it. Lord, may they have any ears that hear and eyes that see what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And Lord, may they overcome the enemy through the blood of the Lamb and the power of the testimony. For that one that's been struggling with thoughts of suicide, the Lord says, I'm giving you a testimony. And you're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. And the testimony is going to amaze people. The Lord says, wait and see what I have in store for you. 
I've saved the best for last Jesus says, wait on me, trust in me. A better day is coming. I've got you covered. I've got you covered. I've got you in the palm of my hands. I'm moving in those situations. I've got you covered, the Lord says. Hallelujah. I knew you before you were ever born. I've got you covered. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we just say thank you. We just say thank you. We just thank, say thank you for this time. Jesus, we pray these things in your precious name because there's no other name under heaven given to men by which they can be saved but the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Yes. Yes, I hope everyone listening received that and just and just agreed, came into agreement with what God is wanting to do in this hour. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amen. Pastor Andrew, for being obedient and uh, just just pouring out what God has given you. And um, we just honor the the man of God that you are, and just um, pray continued Amen. blessings over you and Holly and the kids and the refuge. Amen. And uh, George, we're glad that you were on too. No, we didn't get to speak with you, but <laughs> yeah, those watching the video are good to see George. So yeah. it's good, good having Thanks you. Thanks for being a part. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Coming Up Higher. Don't forget those listening to like and subscribe. George, are you trying to say something? I really felt like I needed to share something with everybody, specifically you two and everybody else watching. Um, Pastor Andrew preached a message uh, last Sunday, and he mentioned something about he was going to ask the Lord what the next year was was to hold for us. And a couple days ago, I don't know, I think Monday, um, I kind of asked the Lord, what what's 2021 going to hold? And as Pastor Andrew was praying, I felt like I needed to share this. And I believe he said it's going to be a year of breaking cycles specifically bad cycles and even like bad parenting and abusive parenting. He really spoke that to my heart about yeah. breaking cycles. And um, I'm just excited for, for the next year. Yeah, um, that's awesome. That's yeah. a good word. We believe that. Yeah. Breaking the old, stepping into the new. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. We've loved having you on and thank you to our listeners for for tuning in and, and supporting. We know you received something mightily tonight through these through these words. And so don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate it. Leave a leave a kind word and we'll see you next time on Coming Up Higher. God bless.